0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, let's open up with prayer. You ready? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. Oh, Lord, it's what gives us the strength. It's what gives us the knowledge. It's what equips us. Father, your Word is everything to us. And so, Lord, as we open up the word of God today and fellowship around the word, I thank you, Lord, that we have eyes to hear. We have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, Father. And, Lord, we're going to be doers of this word and not hearers only. And Satan, you'll not steal the word that's sown today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Okay, well, I felt like the Lord showed me that uh, too many of his children are fearful of prayer. Now think about that for a minute. They're fearful of prayer. Somehow they don't understand it. But if they can learn, they can overcome that fear. And many things can be brought forth and accomplished through their prayers. But how do I know that uh besides the fact that the Lord showed me this, that many of his kids are afraid of praying? Because how many people show up to prayer meetings? Think about that. If you valued prayer and you thought that prayer was something that was worth something, then you would show up when we pray. Correct? So obviously, either you're afraid of praying or you don't know the value of what praying is all about. Okay? So. You know, I never uh, considered myself to be much of a prayer because I knew of great people like a lady named Rachel T. Now, you're probably never going to hear that name other than here. Rachel T. was a very old woman who spent every waking minute praying. You say, well, how is that possible? Well, look in Luke chapter 2 and look at Anna the prophetess. She was a widow for 84 years. I don't know what how old she was when she got married. She was married for eight years. She was a widow for 84 years. And you know what she did? She sat in the temple and she prayed all the time. So it's possible, you know, for some people to be able to do stuff like that. But back to Rachel T- Tifa-Tiller, um her only furniture was a lawn chair. She had gotten rid of everything in her house, all the niceties, because she didn't want to focus on the niceties in her home. She wanted to... Fo- Focus on the Holy Ghost. And many times great leaders in our, in our Christian world would call her up and ask her and they would say things like this to her, Rachel, where does the Lord have you today? And I remember one minister, uh, related the account of Rachel said this back to them one day. She said, He has me in the White House. I'm in the Oval Office. Underneath the President's desk. President Clinton was president at the time, so put two and two together. That's what the Lord was having her pray about back in the day. And if you don't get that, come to me later, those of you who don't know any history other than yesterday. That wasn't very nice to say, but I said it anyway. But come and ask me a question about it, and I'll tell you what President Clinton was doing in the Oval Office underneath his desk. It wasn't nice. Okay. So in the past, like I had witnessed some great people praying, there's Lynn Hammond out of, out of, uh, Michigan or Minnesota, Minnesota, I believe it is great woman of prayer, uh, Patsy Caminetti, from Rama, brother Hagan. I mean, there were times when, when pastor and I would go to brother Hagan's prayer things that he would have. There was one time that he had a two week prayer teaching thing in, uh, West Virginia. Pastor went the first week and then I joined in the second week and, uh, Pastor was, pa, pa, Brother Hagen was standing here praying and Brother was a uh, pastor or Brother Hagen was standing here praying. Pastor was standing right in front of him. And if you don't think you get stuff off of the man of God when you're when you're that close to him, tell you what the tangible anointing just, you know, got off on on especially pastor as we were, you know, standing there praying for him with him. But, uh, you know, although I felt like I didn't. uh measure up to people like Rachel Tifatiller and all these other great people of prayer. um, The Lord dealt with me to start warfare prayer in the church here. It wasn't that I didn't know how to pray. It was that I had to make a quality decision that I was going to devote my time, my energy, my effort into being at this prayer meeting every Tuesday morning at 930 and that I would research it enough That I would write a manual on it so that when people came into the prayer group, you know, I could show them the manual. This is how we pray. This is what we pray because there's all kinds of prayer, which we haven't even hit that topic on Sunday morning since the the whole month started. So I'm just back. I'm backing up. To point number one, that Christians don't pray, don't want to pray or fearful to pray, don't see the value in prayer. So I'm backing up to step number one. So that's what I'm ministering to you about, about today. So the Lord dealt with me about that. And so uh, I got prepared, wrote the manual and stuff like that. So every Tuesday morning at 930, we roll up our sleeves and we go in and we fight in and with the Holy Ghost. Right, Maxine? Yes, we do. We go in there and we fight. I seek the Lord or pastor does on, Lord, what what what's on your heart, Holy Ghost? What's on your heart today, Lord? And we tap into him and he gives us one topic. And we go into that, that prayer room. Over there in victory. And we hit it. We pray in tongues. We pray in English. As we're sitting there, if the Lord sometimes will show us a scripture. We'll get that word out and we'll read that. Sometimes he shows us little visions of stuff. And so we speak those forth. And it's a great time of prayer. Also, if you, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, you need to. Because you need to learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. There's a difference between uh, being born again and praying and being born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying. Now, I don't want to insult anybody, but, you know, this whole thing is out there for everybody. If you want it, you just grab it because God made it available to us. But there's a difference between uh, praying and doing warfare with a BB gun and praying and doing warfare with the biggest weapons you can think of taking out the enemy and the rest of that stuff. So I have, I just challenge you today, if you have never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. So uh, anyway, one day when we were in uh, warfare prayer, I'm just telling you, I'm going to tell you some prayer stories, okay? You like war stories? I'm going to tell you some war stories. The thing of it is we always win. That's what I like about this. Okay, so one day, Rosie, maybe some of you don't remember Rosie. Rosie was an awesome little old lady that, well, she wasn't even old. She just thought she was, but she was part of the prayer group. So anyway, one day she and I were uh praying and we were praying for the nation. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost showed me a vision of a deep well. And it was a deep well of corruption. And that sucker went way down there. And I thought, wow, I knew that there was corruption in our nation, but I didn't know how bad it was. And so he showed us that most of that corruption was in Washington, D.C., and this was before the election. Most of the corruption was in Washington DC and we had to we had to do something about it. We could have done nothing about it. We could have said, Oh, this is cool. The Lord showed us this and done nothing about it. In which case nothing would have happened and nothing would have changed. But that's not what we did. We did something about it. So we started hitting it again in the spirit just taking authority over Satan and you know what? So much corruption, if you ever watch the news at all, has just come to the surface. You know, it's just coming out of that deep well, and we're getting rid of it in our nation. Amen. Hallelujah. So anyway, what do we pray about at Warfare Prayer? Well, when the elections were going on, sometimes we pray about the elections. We pray about our nation. We pray about our city. We pray about our state. We, about people. we pray about people getting born again, receiving Jesus Christ. We pray about a great awakening in America to God. Some people don't even know there is a God other than a cuss word. You know what I mean? You know, they'll say his name and cuss, but they have no idea who he is. So there needs to be a great awakening in America about who God is. Who is Jesus? Who is this man? And they need that. And then also revival for those who once knew him, who have walked away and backslidden and all that stuff. They need to come back. We pray for the congregation members sometimes. And, uh. For the newborn babes a lot of times we pray and travail for Christ to be formed in them. You know, it's one thing to get somebody born again, but you don't want you don't have a baby and then you leave it on on the doorstep somewhere and expect it to feed itself and nurture itself and to grow and all that kind of stuff. The same is true with when someone gets born again. They need to mature and grow in the Lord. And the Bible tells us to, to travail again, to pray, to intercede for them until Christ be formed in them, until they're firmly established so they're not going to waltz away one day and then we never see them again. So, anyway, uh, you know, the cool thing about praying like this is, is, uh, we hear stuff about the results of our prayers on the news. And I think, oh God, you're so good. Now, we're not the only ones, you know, that are praying on Tuesday morning over here. People are praying all over the nation. People are praying in the White House. They've got prayer meetings going on in the White House. There's prayer meetings everywhere in the little burgs and the little highways and byways and people's houses and people's basements. People everywhere are praying. So we're not the only ones. But it's really cool. I want to show you something that I that I found. Uh, this was uh, Mike Huckabee. I get his emails, and he said this. He said. As noted by Glenn Stanton of Focus on the Family, studies by Harvard University, very liberal, and Indiana University, Bloomington, very liberal, used to live 15 minutes from there. They did studies, secular studies. These aren't Christian studies. Discovered. Are you ready for this nugget that they discovered? We already knew it, but, you know, duh, they just figured it out. That religious faith is just one more way in which America is an exceptional nation. And we already knew that, right? But they probably spent, you know, lots of money figuring that out. Then it says the idea that people are abandoning the Christian faith is based on losses of membership among the large mainstream churches. That a lot of them don't preach God, don't preach salvation, nothing. But it turns out that people aren't abandoning religious faith. They're just switching to smaller independent churches. Amen. Where people preach Jesus Christ. Amen. So isn't that cool? So how how many times you ever hear stuff like, oh, yeah, Christianity in America is dying. I say, uh, uh not in my place. <laughs> Amen. Okay, I'm going to let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 1818 18. We're going to read a, a cool scripture here. I'm in the New King James today for the most part. Let's see. Hallelujah. Matthew 18:18 18, 18 says this. Assuredly. King James says, verily, verily or truly, I'm telling you the truth. This is Jesus talking. I say to you, whatever you bind on earth. Will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now you're saying, I have no idea what that means. Let's say it another way. The Amplified says, whatever we declare, because we've got power and authority as believers, whatever we declare on earth to be improper and unlawful must already be declared in heaven as being improper and unlawful. So if we say, you know, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus, you're not going to you're not going to do X, Y, Z. It must already be forbidden in heaven. And then whenever we just loose like the love of God on people or the peace of God on people, well, there must already also be love and peace like in heaven. That's just an example. See what I mean? So that's what this scripture means. So we're talking about binding the devil. So I want to give you some uh, <laughs> some examples of things that we, Pastor and I have done in the past about taking authority over Satan. We have authority over Satan. Why? Because Jesus has given that power to us. He says, all power and authority is given unto me. Therefore, you go. So he's given us the power that he had. So we've got the power of, of Jesus in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you some stories. When we first moved to Martinsville, Indiana, back in, uh, I don't know, we started that church in 1992. And so when we went there, everybody, there were, the kids in the high school were killing themselves left and right. They had made a suicide pact that you kill yourself, I'll kill myself. And so the kids were killing themselves like crazy. Well, is that God or the devil? The devil, yep, because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So we figured, ah, duh, lightning quick mind. Hey, this isn't God. So this is what we did. We said, "Satan, we bind your foul spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus from operating through this kids, these kids. We, we, we just deem you null, void and powerless. You're not going to do this anymore in the name of Jesus. We just loose the life of God on, on these kids in Jesus' name. Well, guess what happened? Suicide stopped just like that. Now wasn't that hard to do? Would that take 30 seconds? pretty cool huh okay also in martinsville pastor told this story a while back a uh, new sheriff got elected and blah 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 and pastor went to the to the prayer meeting that the sheriff wanted the pastors to go through to and so pastor asked the new sheriff is there anything in specifically that you want us to pray for martinsville was a town of 12,000 people not a very big town but there were murders just everywhere starting to happen you know people getting murdered and he said the sheriff said, "I want us to pray that the murders will stop on my watch." So nice, quiet, bold pastor. He, uh, quiet, unreserved pastor. He comes up and he lays hands on the pastor. Petrify the sheriff. He, he petrifies all the other pastors in the group because they don't have a clue on how to pray, but he does. He said, "Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I bind your foul spirit of murder from operating." You know, da 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 da. On and on it went. And guess what happened to the murders? Stopped. Isn't that hard? Every single one of you here have authority over Satan. You know, we can either let him run roughshod over our families, over our city, over our neighborhood, our state, our nation, our schools, or we can do something about it. And it takes 30 seconds. Another thing, when we first moved here in 2005... People started telling us about Fort Irwin Road. Oh, there's accidents on that road all the time. They said people are killed and we would, we'd drove up that road. There's crosses everywhere. And we thought, well, are there traffic accidents in heaven? No. Are people dying in car wrecks in heaven? No. Well, we're going to say that they can't die in car wrecks in Barstow on the way to Fort Irwin. So what do we do? Satan, we bind your foul spirit of accident in the name of Jesus. Injury and death, you're not going to operate on that highway. Ministering angels, be compassed around about that highway in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over that highway. And guess what happened to the accidents? They stopped. Is that fun or what? I like kicking the devil in the teeth. And it takes 30 seconds or or, or less. All you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, we bind you, Satan. And he has no he has no choice. He has to he has to stop. Amen. That's part of prayer. That's called the prayer of binding and loosening, which we will get into another day. But I think that's pretty cool. Open up your Bibles to first Peter four, First Peter four, seven. So prayer is not boring, people. Prayer is not hard to do. Amen. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. New King James says it this way. But the end of all things is at hand. Last days. It's the last days, right? Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. So King James says, watch and pray. So as we watch... You know, as we observe what's going on around us, we're watching, right? Then we can go to prayer about it. Correct? We're watching and we're praying. Now, we can watch and say, oh, it's bad, oh, it's bad, oh, it's bad. And not pray and not do anything about it. Or we can watch and we can pray and we can take care of the problem. You see what I'm saying? Amen. And that is fun. Okay, prayer is simple, it is easy. To pray like I just mentioned above, sometimes like if you're, if you're really gonna get into it, it takes time and it takes, uh, showing up. You know, whether you're showing up in your chair in your house that you pray at, or whether you're showing up to, uh, warfare prayer, or whether you're showing up Sunday night to our five o'clock prayer meeting, it takes some diligence on your part to get off your duff and to get out the door. Start the car, drive over here or wherever you're you're at, and show up. Pretty cool, huh? Amen. Where else do you show up in life? Let's see. You go to work every day. You go to the grocery store. You go have your nails done. Mm -mm. You do all kinds of stuff. So why not show up for prayer? Amen. Just a little challenge there. But then again, I hear too many uh, Christians that say, I don't know how to pray. You know, you're in a group of people and you'll say, would you pray over the over the food? Oh, they can't pray over the food. Well, I won't get into praying over the food, but that's a whole other issue. Praying over the food's easy. okay? you know, okay, I will get into it since I brought it up. You know, there's two reasons why we pray over the food. You want to know what they are? Number one. Is to thank the Lord for it. Because we need not take what's put in front of us on our plates, or food in our cupboard, whatever, for granted. Amen. We thank Him for it because we are a grateful people. The number, the second reason is, you have no idea what's in that food. You know what I mean? You have no idea what kinds of stuff they put in the soil, or da 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 da, or if it's got E. coli or anything else. So, you, two reasons you pray for your food. The thank Him for it, And to ask the Lord to bless it and sanctify it so it's cleansed. Amen. That's why we pray over food. So, if you don't know how to pray over the food, you need to learn how to pray over the food. It's not hard. Okay. You need to think about talking. Prayer is talking. Prayer is communication. If Jesus is your best friend, he is always right here with us. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't <laughs> pretend like you're going for a walk with one of your friends. OK, so you're not going to go for a walk with one of your friends and say nothing the entire time. Well, that's the way it is with Jesus. You know, he's right here with us. So are we going to walk through life and not talk to him? I mean, come on. And you can't be afraid to talk to him because he's our, he's our everything. You know, you can tell him you're everything. You can tell him everything. And he's right there with you and he will help you. And you don't have to get old, oh, thou wonderful, wondrous, nee, nee, nee. you know, no, you know, speak your good old slang or whatever you want to talk. He understands it. You know, he understands it. But talk to him. Understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. Listen to this scripture. First Thessalonians 517. Let's let's check this one out. This is a real long verse. It says, pray without ceasing. And some of you are saying, oh, how do you pray without ceasing? How do you do that? Well, if he's ever with us, if he's ever present, if he's always there, you don't just ignore him as you're walking through life. He's right there. Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't pray any more than 15 minutes, but I don't go any more than 15 minutes without praying. So remember, Jesus is your constant companion. I'm going to tell you a little story. Because Jesus is our constant companion, I do things like I say popcorn prayers. That's just something you're walking along, you know, and all of a sudden you throw up a prayer. You know, I call it a popcorn prayer. One day I was doing whatever I was doing. And I said, "I said, Lord, I sure would like to have some chickens. And i pop, that was a pop, popcorn prayer. Popped it up there, you know. That was the extent of my prayer. A couple of weeks later, I'm over at the church and Jesse Garcia is over here. And I see somebody horsing around at the front gate out here. The gate's shut, you know, but I'm in the office building. Somebody's messing around at the gate. I said, Jesse, go see what they're doing over there. So Jesse goes over there and he comes back. And he said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, they're throwing chickens over the fence. I said, oh, cool. Jesse, go get them. Well, he'd never, he'd never caught a chicken before. Pastor was around. Pastor knew how to catch chickens. So, you know, they went there. There were three chickens. One was a uh, Rhode Island Red, beautiful chicken. One was the Plymouth Rock. And one was something else that I didn't know what it was. Three chickens. And they put him in the in the trunk of the car, Pastor and Jesse, and they brought him over to the office building. And I put him in the backyard of the church. God cares about you. If he cares about me and my popcorn prayer, Lord, I sure would like to have some chickens. And they even laid eggs. So what do you think about that? Don't you think that he cares about you? You know, now doesn't that sound ridiculous? You know, I can't bother God. He's too busy. Hey, he's my bestest buddy in the whole wide world, you know. So, hey, if I'm just, you know, if I just happen to have a thought. I did the same thing with horses. Back in Indiana, I said, Lord, I'm not getting any uh, uh, younger and I sure would like to have a horse. All of a sudden, my mother out of the blue sends me 500 bucks. Never sent me five hundred dollars in her entire life. Sent me five hundred dollars. The church took up an offering for me. I think that was three fifty. I had eight hundred fifty dollars for a horse. And there's a guy at church knew about horses, I said, hey, go find me a horse. It has to be gentle, good around kids and stuff like that. I got my horse. Popcorn prayer. Lord, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I sure would like to have a horse. Well, the prayers are obviously keeping going. Now I've come to the point where I'm saying, Lord, when these two go, you don't have to give me any more. You know? And I don't know how many horses ago that was. A bunch. So anyway... I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he cares about you and he's going to answer your tiniest, silliest, goofiest little prayers that you think are goofy. Because why? Because he's a big God and he cares about you and he loves you. And what's important to you is important to him. Amen. All right. So James, chapter four, two B and three. This is the main reason why you don't uh, get anything in life. You do not have because you do not ask. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that profound? Simple. You don't have it because you haven't asked for it, right? Right? Then verse 3 says, you ask and don't receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. So, if you ask, if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me rob the Union Bank down here, is He gonna, is He gonna answer that prayer? No. Why? Because He's not a thief, and that doesn't, that, you know, that goes against His nature. So if we're asking amiss, if we're not asking in line with the Word of God, then hey, that's not gonna happen. But on the other spectrum, we're not receiving from God because we're not taking the time to ask. Amen. Do yourself a favor. Get yourself a journal. Doesn't matter how much you spend on it. And go to the back of your journal and write down things back on the back of the journal. You date it. I used to do this when my kids were little. And I used to say, Lord, my kids need shoes. I had a slew of kids. So it's not like, you know, you have one child and you go buy shoes. Okay, I had a bunch of kids. So I would write down there, Lord, uh, the kids need school, uh, shoes for school. And I'd write it down. And then they'd come in, for, of course. Shoes would come in one way or the other. And then I'd say, thank you, Lord. And I'd write down the date when they came in. Keep track of all this stuff. It's really cool. You'll see how God, awesome God is. So let me ask you this question. Just generally in life, do you worry or do you Pray. Do you consume all the cares and all this junk on yourself and worry and carry that around and make yourself sick and stressed out and la, la, la? Or do you take it to the Lord and pray? Some people, you know, after a while, they go, oh, I forgot to pray. After you've spent several, you know, weeks, months, days, years (laughs) worrying about something and all of a sudden it dawns on you. Let's let's take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to read to you out of the Amplified Bible so you don't have to look this up. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Casting the whole of your care. All your anxieties. How many anxieties is that? All your worries. How many worries is that? All your concerns. How many concerns? Once and for all on him. Why? For he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. Isn't that a cool scripture? Amen. That's awesome. Praise God. I want to show you something else about the Lord. When we are in his presence, how do you get into his presence? Well, the word tells us that we come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So, you know, or you can just be in his presence all the time, which is a whole lot better. But if you have to, if you have to tune in and get tapped in, you know, just sit down somewhere quietly and say, Lord, I'm coming to you, Father. I just worship you. I adore you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just want to talk to you a minute. And this is what happened with King David. Now, look at Psalms 51. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole wide world. Psalms 51, verse 10 says this. This is David praying to the Lord and he's saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God. He wants his heart cleansed. You ever feel like you need your heart cleansed? It says, and renew says, This says steadfast spirit. King James says, Renew a right spirit within me. And then David says to the Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. What a horrible thought to be away from the presence of the Lord when we can so readily be with the Lord. And then David says, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's a horrible thought. David says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then David says, then I will teach transgressors or sinners your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Do you know why it was necessary for David to to pray this prayer? And some of you guys think you're sinners. Hey, listen to this. David had I don't know how many wives back in the day. You know, kings had a lot of wives. And he sees this neighbor lady taking a bath on the roof. So he calls for her. And so his little men go over there and get her and bring her back. Commits adultery with her. Her husband is one of King David's generals in the military. Big shot military man. Fighting for David. And for the nation there. So all of a sudden. Well, not all of a sudden. Well, I guess it could be all of a sudden. But Sheba and David get pregnant. Her husband's out to war, and the king's fooling around with his general's wife. You know, I mean, you know, sin's been going on forever. You know what I'm saying? The devil's a devil. So King David says, "Oh, I got to do something about this." So he tells his military people. His, his, the, the guy's name was Uriah. Take Uriah and go to battle over here, and you put him at the front of the line. Well, guess what happened to Uriah? I mean, let's figure it out here. Duh. He's at the front of the line. So what happened to him? He got killed. Come on, people. What happened to him? He got killed. Yeah. So who's responsible for his murder? King David. So. Can you see why David goes to the Lord, create me a clean heart, oh, God? He was messed up. Renew that right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Bad place to be. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Have you ever gone through periods of your life where you had no joy? Where you couldn't feel God's presence? I've been there before. I hate that. So that's why I like this scripture. You know, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I want to be happy about you, God. You know, stuff like that. So that's another thing that you can do. You can go into his presence, get your heart cleaned out. We do that, you know, a lot of times we do communion. Anyway, you can do that any old time you want to. So some people say, I don't want to bother God. We'd already talked about that. But God is a big enough God that he can take care of you. Look, Check this out in Matthew 6. Some people know that God so loved the world, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes they don't, they fail to make it personal. God so loved me. And some people have to get a revelation that Jesus Christ loves you. Just you. Just you. Say, Jesus loves me. He really does. I'm important to God. And Jesus loves me. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. Okay, listen to this. I'm in Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, Jesus said, I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. See those little sparrows around here all the time. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than a bird? I lost my place. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, can you, if you're going to sit around and worrying, does that make you any taller? I mean, you know. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Like a lily in the field. Now if God so closes the grass of the field, which today isn't, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, or out in California is burned in the hot sun, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying... What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? do? So you're not going to be worrying, saying stuff like that. Oh, it's bad. It's getting worse. We're not saying stuff like that. Okay? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or everybody else, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all things, but... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what you want to do is just take everything to the Lord in prayer. Amen. See, I want to show you, if he cares about a bird, if he cares about a lily, he cares about you. Amen. So go ahead and bother him with what you think is not insignificant. Another thing that you can do is about praying. Um, so you guys, maybe a few of you gals, if you're mechanical, you got a problem with your vehicle, right? Your car. And so you go out to the garage with your trusty toolbox and you're out there and you're banging and you're fretting and you're stewing and you're not getting, you're not fixing it. But if you stop and say, Lord, I need help fixing this, he'll give you the answer just like that. Cut your time to a fraction. He knows exactly what the deal is with your car. We knew a guy one time, his car broke down the side of the road and the Holy Ghost said to him, if you open up your trunk, the hood of your car and that long piece of whatever that metal is, if you take that off of there, it'll fix the part under your car. Well, who would have known that but God? And he and, you know, he would have sat there the whole day long. So what did he do? He did exactly what the Holy Ghost said, took that part off, put it under his car where it went and away he went. So the bottom line is, have you prayed about it yet? Have you prayed about it yet? Duh. You know, you can be stewing and fretting, but have you prayed about it yet? So anyway, um, we carry on a conversation with the Lord. We talk to him. He talks to us. Part of a conversation is listening to what the other person is saying. And God doesn't yell and scream at us. He talks to us in a still, small voice. And he usually talks to your spirit. You know, he's not flying around your head like a bunch of black ravens around here. He talks to your spirit and he doesn't yell and scream at you. He talks to you softly. He says, why don't you go over there and. okay, I'm going to use Maxine for an example. So Maxine goes to the grocery store, minding her own business. Here she sees this old lady, Alicia. I don't see Alicia here today. The Holy Ghost says to her, Help her. Was that profound? Or what? Two words. Help her. She could have, she could have said, Nah, that wasn't God. I'm too busy. No. Maxine knew the voice of the Lord, and so Maxine went and she helped Alicia. Now, at comes to church here because Maxine heard the voice of the Lord say, help her. I think that's pretty cool. You've got to remember that God is not deaf. And God is not dumb. In other words, unable to speak. God can hear you. God can speak to you. God will do nothing. He he doesn't interrupt. He's a gentleman unless you ask him to. You get that? If you want something done in your life, if you need the Lord to help you with something, you need to ask him. Because otherwise, you just stand there looking at you. Amazing, huh? Okay. I'm going to reiterate this whole thing. Point number one. Talk to God. Point number two, listen to him. Point number three, this is the most important part. Follow him all the days of your life and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's Psalm 23, 6. Simple. Is that easy? Did this help anybody today? So now we're going to have 150-some-odd people show up for prayer, right? Whoa. Katie's looking at me like, Mama. (laughs) Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.